Hello, it's Vanessa Gregoriatis, and this is the last episode of Run Bambi Run, an Apple original podcast produced by Campside Media. This is a special episode about women and policing. So 40 years ago, back when Lori Bambanek was a cop, women made up only 5% of police officers nationwide. Today, that number is around 12%, and a lot of time has passed. So there hasn't been a huge amount of progress. Some people want to increase that number, and some don't. But it's not because they don't believe in gender equality. They just don't believe that gender equality on the force will actually create much progress in policing. In this episode, I'll talk to two experts with two different opinions on this topic. Our first guest leads an initiative that's about increasing the number of women in police departments. She wants to change police culture that way. I'm Maureen McGough. I'm the chief of staff at the Policing Project at NYU Law. How long have you had your focus on gender equity within the police forces, and why did you decide to do that? I've only focused on this space since 2018, and at the time I was a senior policy advisor at the U.S. Department of Justice. I was working with a captain from Newark Police Department, Captain Yvonne Roman. She came to me one day and she pointed out, the DOJ says it's really committed to doing things that are grounded in data and evidence, but... Women make up 12% of sworn law enforcement officers and only 3% of police leaders. So she came to me, was really blunt about it. You know, if we say that we care about improving policing, we have to pay attention and we have to do something about the underrepresentation of women in policing. So Yvonne was really focused on culture and the idea of getting to 30% representation, because there's research out there that shows that once an underrepresented group gets to 30% representation, they're able to start significantly impacting the culture for the better. The 30 by 30 initiative overall is a national effort to try and get to 30% representation of women in police recruit classes by the year 2030. At the same time, also ensuring that police department policies and cultures support the success of diverse officers. So there's some people who say that the culture is more likely to change women than women are to change policing culture. Does the culture of policing ultimately force women to change when they get in the door. The women I've spoken to, especially in leadership positions, there is a get along to get along mentality. At this point, the culture is so strong and the representation is so small that it's more likely that the culture impacts the women than the other way around. But you know, there's an old adage of policing and I think it applies to a lot of different professions. There's two things that cops hate, change in the way things are. We're prepared for that kind of pushback. Wait, tell me what that means. The idea that there's the general grumbling, that the way things are aren't working, and that it's deeply unfair for a host of reasons. But then when you try and do something about it, and when you try and implement change, the inertia around keeping things exactly as they are is really hard to overcome. We really do need to focus on sort of the unique attributes of women officers and the value they bring both to the force and to the communities they serve. What do you think the barriers are to getting attention on this, and why has this percentage stagnated for so long. There's a lot of research out there about how police officers spend their time. And more often than not, it's talking to people and it's de-escalating tense situations and it's serving the communities in which they work. And yet a lot of these recruitment materials tend to really overemphasize this sort of hyper-masculinized version of what policing is. We heard a great story about a small jurisdiction in the South who had a recruitment commercial. And in that commercial, it showed a guy with a giant gun strapped to his chest jumping out of a helicopter. 
And this is a tiny agency. They didn't have a helicopter. They didn't even have a drone. But that was who they were trying to recruit. That's how they were defining policing. And that's who they were getting in the door. You'll notice in 30 by 30, we never actually say go out and recruit a bunch of women. What we say is change how you talk about what policing is. Make it accurate. And we think when you start doing that, you'll naturally see an increase in women and other underrepresented populations. This conversation with Maureen got me thinking about the difference between fixing policing for female police officers and fixing policing for people who encounter the police every day. Maureen's view seems to be that reform for women officers will also benefit the public. But this inside-out approach isn't universally supported. I also spoke with Dr. Sandra Susan Smith, who is a professor and faculty director of the program in Criminal Justice and Management at the Harvard Kennedy School. In some ways, how you see these reform measures is contingent on what theory you have about what role the, the criminal legal system plays. If you were to take a step back and not think in terms of what is written on the side of police car, we are here to protect and serve. When you think about it instead from what history teaches us and what we know from the current moment, the primary role is to maintain control of populations that are threatening for those who are much more privileged economically, socially, etc. So it is about the containment and control of poor and marginalized populations. So in our story, Laurie Bembenek was a police officer in 1980, fired and sued for sex discrimination. And we've spoken to women who were in her recruit class and they experienced sexism and racism and job discrimination. And they're really reticent in the interviews to make a leap from their own experiences to the larger systemic issue. They talk often about a few bad apples that they saw in the police force. Why do you think that idea of a few bad apples is so pervasive and catchy and also problematic when it comes to making change? I think for mainstream society, the idea that the police are a force for good is pervasive. I think people want to believe and do believe that the police help to prevent crime and the police help to solve crime when crimes happen. And that were it not for police, there'd be chaos. So it allows us to avoid the hard questions about what it is that the institution itself does and why the institution does what it does. And you saw it play itself out in the trial of Derek Chauvin. From the start, the prosecution was very clear. This is not a trial against the Minneapolis police force. This is a trial against Derek Chauvin, the chief of police and a series of other police officers as key witnesses against Chauvin, essentially said, we, the institution, stand against this one man. He is the bad apple. We, the rest of us, are good. We are not him. He is not us. So why does everybody keep coming back to the same recommendations, adding more people of color on the force, more training on implicit bias, body cameras? You know, we're trying to figure out, is this just the same old idea or could this help a fundamental issue? I think for some, there is a hope that these measures will slowly nibble away 
at the disparities um, in treatment. And these are often people who want there to be change, but who see the system as overall a positive force in the broader society, but a force that has, in a way, lost track of what it's supposed to do. And it just needs to be brought back to where it can do good without creating so much harm. What I find interesting, troubling, and frustrating is that so many of these measures that are put forward, there's no evidence to support their efficacy, or the evidence suggests that they just don't work. There are almost no studies of the mountains of research emerging to suggest that implicit bias training changes behavior. It's not quite clear, based on the body of research, that body-worn cameras changes police officers' behavior. I appreciate them because we get to see more of what police officers are doing and what Black and brown folks have been saying for decades, generations, but it doesn't actually alter their behaviors in any way. We don't have any great evidence whatsoever that diversifying police forces makes them less violent towards the people or less brutal, less unfair towards people of color. So that doesn't work. This doesn't mean we don't diversify forces. I think all workforces should reflect the populations that they serve period, but that is not the way that we're going to achieve less brutality against black and brown folks and other forms of kind of disparities that the criminal legal system meets out. What about females on the police force? There is some research to show that female police officers are less violent than their male officers. They're much more likely to de-escalate. I do see some shifts in some outcomes But I'm looking for a transformation of the system, and that won't happen with women either at the helm or even as 30 percent of the workforce. Tell us a little bit about some of the projects you studied to create alternatives to calling the police. Despite it all, I actually am fairly optimistic because I think this moment has produced so much energy and organizing on the ground in communities across the country. The focus of our attention should be on what can lead to public safety, safer neighborhoods, safer communities. And for too long, our answer has almost only been police. I really appreciate crisis intervention where non-law enforcement folks, people who are not armed, they don't have weapons at the ready, who respond to residents, to citizens in crisis with aid, with help, with medical care, with understanding, with concern. People who are trained extraordinarily well to both deal with emotional and mental health crises, other kinds of health crises. And I think once we shift and begin to invest, we would begin to prevent a lot of the issues from arising in the first place. So the fact that these efforts, these initiatives are emerging across the country and people are really beginning to embrace them, that actually makes me really very excited. Since Lori's days on the Milwaukee Police Department, many programs have tried to reform policing in the city. Last year, the city council passed a resolution that asked police, fire, and health departments to create a new program to help nonviolent people in crisis. The responders in that program are unarmed. There's also another program in Milwaukee called 414 Life, which sees violence as a health epidemic and a preventable one. It uses the models Dr. Smith talked about to interrupt violence before it starts. 
But as of 2020, Milwaukee still spends roughly $500 per resident on policing per year and less than $4 per resident on those types of programs. There have also been changes in the makeup of who is a police officer, and I'm referring to gender and race here. But today, about 70% of all police officers in the United States are still white men. Run Baby Run has been an Apple original podcast produced by Campside Media. It's executive produced by Mark McAdam and me, Vanessa Gregoriotis. This episode was produced by Sam Leeds and Ashley Ann Craigbaum. Our researchers are Alex Yablon and Kelly Hitchcock, and we've used some archival material courtesy of CNN. Campside Media's executive producers are Josh Dean, Adam Hoff, Matt Scher, and myself. Thank you to Doug Slaywin. Aaliyah Papes, Allison Haney, Ewan Lai-Tremuin, and executive producer Kyle Long. Special thanks to everyone at Apple TV Plus and Apple Podcasts, and to all our friends at Sister, especially Liz, Stacy, and Jane. Thank you so much to everyone who generously gave us the gift of their time for our interviews. And thank you, the audience, for listening. If you've got time, Listen on for a special treat. It's the original song that Mark McAdam, our executive producer, composed in honor of Lori. It's a little dive bar, a little 80s, and you've heard it sprinkled throughout the season. So without further ado, Run Run Bambi 